What a great week it was and what a great week it will be starting tomorrow afternoon. And uh, we're so excited about what God's going to do through Vacation Bible School week number two here at First Norfolk. We praying for <clears throat> hundreds of uh, children to join us and uh, for dozens of children to come to faith in Jesus Christ. It's going to be a great, great week. Because we're doing Vacation Bible School next week, we're not going to have our regular prayer time. Our regular prayer time is at 6.30 every Tuesday night in the chapel, and we pray um, uh, and do battle for God's glory uh, through corporate prayer every Tuesday night at 6.30. But because of Vacation Bible School, I invite you to pray. If you're not here serving and working, pray from home. Pray for uh, all the uh, uh, leaders in Vacation Bible School that, uh, that God would use them to advance uh, His glory, make much of Jesus uh, so you be in prayer for them. It's not the only thing I want you to pray for, uh, because Vacation Bible School is not the only thing we're doing during the summer. Uh, at the end of, uh, uh, of uh, July, beginning of August, we have our student camp. Sixth through twelfth graders going to student camp. It's going to be a great week where our students hear the good news of God's rescuing love. They grow as followers of Christ. And my prayer is that every student who doesn't know Jesus will leave that camp knowing Jesus as personal Lord and Savior. I invite you to pray with me in that regard. But after uh, student camp, we have our senior adult camp. And senior adult camps, I'm not old enough to be a part of it, but they've invited me to join them this year. Um, I'm only 54. I came when I was 35 years old. That's when I came to be a Can you believe that? 35. And now I have a granddaughter. Her name is Nora. Come on. All right. So, uh, we've got senior adult camp, and senior adult camp is going to be a great time. And if you're a senior adult uh, and you haven't registered for that, you can do that out in the grand lobby. But senior adult camp is going to be a great time. They, we study the Word. We sing praise to God. We have fun. Uh, and it's going to be a great time. That's senior adult camp. And then we have children's camp. And our older children <coughs> go to uh, Camp Willow Run. It's going to be a great week where we preach the Word of God and see every child there hear about the good news of God's rescuing love found through faith in Jesus Christ. And it is going to be a great week. We're praying for every student, every child that goes who's ready to hear the gospel, will hear the gospel, respond in faith and be rescued. And then we're going to crescendo the summer, August 21st, on that Sunday out at First Landing Beach. Uh, is that where we do? Little Island, thank you very much. Out at Little Island. Um, uh, we're going to get together for beach baptism. And uh, we're praying that God would uh, allow our church to do him the honor of baptizing a hundred uh, people at beach baptism. And, and really, that represents a hundred people whose lives have been transformed by God's grace. That means you and I have got to do our work. Uh, this past week, I was able to share the gospel with a guy named Glenn. Glenn uh, heard the gospel, young man, uh, and didn't care much about God, didn't know much about God. And after he heard the gospel, he didn't care much about God and didn't know much about God. But he heard the gospel. And, and that is my job. That's your job. 
Our, our job is not to control the results. Our job is, as I was taught as a little boy, to share the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit and leave the results up to God. I believe in the power of gospel to change Glenn's heart. He didn't do it when I shared it, but he may. And so I'm praying for that. I believe in the power of God. Don't you believe in the power of the gospel to say? So let's share the gospel with others. That's what this is all about. All right, so uh, you be in prayer for all these things that are happening. Pray uh, that we would do much for God's glory over the next few weeks of summer. It's going to be a great time. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 4, beginning a new series called Healthy Hearts. Now, if you look at my uh, social media, you know that um, uh, I love ice cream. And, and, and I love ice cream with peanut butter. And I love ice cream with peanut butter and chocolate. And any combination of those three things is a wonderful delight for me. Uh, but some have told me that not everything about that dessert is healthy for my physical heart. That's not what I'm preaching on. I'm preaching on a spiritual heart. You know, we, we need to know what it takes for our heart our spiritual heart to be healthy. That's what uh, the wisdom writer was getting at in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Proverbs 4, 23, you, you've heard this. Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. The wisdom writer wasn't talking about the physical heart. He was talking about the spiritual heart. Guard your heart. The place where you make decisions, the place where you make commitments, the place where your love flows outward toward others and upwards toward God. Guard your heart. And so, as we go through these next few weeks, we're going to be looking through the Gospel of Matthew, focusing in on what Jesus does and what Jesus says to help us understand how we can have a healthy heart. See, I want you to be healthy. I want you to be healthy as followers of Jesus. I want your families to be healthy. I want our church to be healthy, but it begins when each of us commit to having a healthy heart in the sight of the living God. So we're, gonna, we're, we're going to examine what it means to have a healthy heart. If you were to go to the physician or Google, uh, which I did, I Googled, I Googled what, what does it take to have a healthy physical heart? Here are nine steps to having a healthy physical heart. You ready? Nine steps. Take a walk. That's pretty good advice. I like taking a walk. Take a walk. Number two, uh, lift weights or strength train a few times a week. Number three, eat heart-healthy foods. Peanut butter is a heart-healthy food. Chuck, I don't know. That. Number four, limit foods that are linked to heart disease. Saturated fats. Cut out your french fries. Number five, quit smoking. Number six, limit alcohol. We're Baptists, so I know I didn't even have to say number six. Oh, y'all laugh because you know. We may be Baptists, but I know what some of y'all are doing. Number seven, I'm just kidding, I'm playing. Number seven, lower stress. That's like giving up ice cream. Number eight, get plenty of sleep. Number nine, see your doctor regularly. They, you do these nine things, they say, well, you'll have a healthy physical heart. What Jesus does through the Gospel of Matthew, and really we just picked the Gospel of Matthew because it's convenient, gives us a singular place to look. 
uh, you could begin in Genesis, go all the way to Revelation, and find messages and learn from God how to have a healthy heart, a healthy spiritual heart, so that we can have healthy lives and healthy families and healthy relationships and healthy church. Um, but we're going to go through the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to listen to what Jesus says and look at what Jesus does, and we're going to learn more about what it takes to have a healthy heart. As we look at the passage that uh, is before us today, Matthew 4, verses 18 through 22, we're going to listen to what Jesus said, and then we're going to see what does that have to do with my spiritual life, okay? So uh, read along with me as I read aloud Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother. They were casting their net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets, and they followed Jesus. Going on from there, Jesus saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in the boat with Zebedee, their father, and they were mending their nets. Jesus called them. He called them, and he said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men, and immediately they left the boat, they left their dad, and they followed Jesus. Now, what does this passage have to do with having a healthy heart? What does this have to do with guarding your heart above all things, for it's the source of life? Well, as we see in this passage, but really throughout Scripture, a healthy heart is a heart that follows Jesus. A healthy heart is a heart that follows Jesus. We live in a culture today where identity is a big deal. Uh, identity, and, and you hear a lot about this identity or that identity. Uh, when it comes down to it, as followers of Jesus and as people in the world, uh, when eternity hits, we're going to be known based upon one of two identities. I am either a follower of Jesus or I'm not a follower of Jesus. And those are the two identities that will meet us in eternity. All the other things that we can roll about this side of heaven, I, I understand them, but really when it comes down to it, I'm either a follower of Jesus or I'm not a follower of Jesus. And there's no middle ground there. There's no gray area. I'm either a follower of Jesus or I'm not, say it a different way, I'm either part of God's family or I'm not part of God's family. Say it another way, I'm either um, rescued from my sin by faith in Jesus Christ or I'm lost in my sin because I haven't placed my faith in Jesus. When it comes to eternity, there are only, uh, there's only one of those two options. And Jesus preached about this. And you're either a sheep or a goat. Sheep being part of God's family, goat being not. You're, you're either... Um, uh, his servant or you're not his servant. You're either lost or you're found. You're either blind or you can see. There's no middle ground. And what, what we need to understand as followers of Jesus or as people living in this world is that the only way for my heart to be whole, the only way for my heart to be freed from the sickness of sin is if I'm following Jesus, all right? So, not, not gonna belabor too much of this. You go to the physician, 
and you were to ask the physician, give me a, a checkup, and, and he checks you up and, and does the thing, and then he says, well, here's what needs to happen. You need to get healthier, and, and here's the plan for you to get healthier. And maybe if, if your physician gives you this plan to be healthier, maybe your question to him will be, well, what does this plan entail? Well, what, what does it mean to be part of this plan? In the same way, when, when, when I suggest, or really when God suggests in his word that a healthy heart is a heart that follows Jesus, maybe the question that you would ask is, well, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to follow Jesus? I think that's the right question. I think that's the good question. What does it mean to follow Jesus? If we're going to ask that question, then we're going to look and see, okay, uh, what does the Bible say about following Jesus? Um, Jesus said it this way, and we'll look at this in a few weeks. If anyone desires to follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow after me. Okay, that, that's one thing. Um, uh, Jesus said, if you follow me, you must... And he used a metaphor here, but you must despise every other relationship in your life, mother, father, sister, brother. That your relationship with him has to be greater than your relationship with them. Okay? Um, here in this passage, he says, here, follow me. Come here. Follow me. It's a command. It wasn't a request. It wasn't an invitation. Take a stroll down the beach. It wasn't Jesus will be my side gig. It, it wasn't I'm going to show up and hang out in a church building and sing a few songs and then leave and that's all the Jesus that I want. It, 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 to follow Jesus means more than just being here. It doesn't mean less than this, but it means certainly means more. Following Jesus doesn't mean that you have a conservative mindset and you vote in conservative way in your politics. It doesn't, that's, that's not following Jesus. Following Jesus means that he is your everything and there is nothing that is more important to you than he. Amen. That's what it means to follow Jesus. It means you deny everything else, and you say, I deny everything in my life, and I count Jesus as my most important relationship. When Jesus said to the disciples, or said to the four fishermen, he said, follow me, he was inviting them to attach themselves to him and to him alone. And we see the cost of that. Uh, you look at the sons of Zebedee, James and John. Now, Peter and Simon, they left their boat and they left their nets. James and John, it says they left their boat, they left their nets, and they left their dad. They left everything. And Peter would say in Matthew chapter 8, he said, Jesus, we have left everything to follow after you. What does it mean to follow Jesus? It means that you enter into a relationship with him so that he is the most important person, thing in your life. He doesn't take second chair to anyone. To follow Jesus means that he is your everything. And, and I know that's hard for us to get hold of. I, I know it is. I, I, I get it. You know, we look at following Jesus as showing up at church. 
or doing a, a five-minute devotion on, 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 in the morning time. We, we look at following Jesus, and we have these, these codes of conduct that we say, well, if I follow these codes of conduct, I, I'm, I'm, I'm following Jesus. And, and certainly, there's a part of following Jesus that includes codes of conduct, but that's not what following Jesus is. Following Jesus is where he is the most important relationship in your life. And there's nothing more important than him. He is your highest ambition in life. He is your highest goal. He is your highest aim. The person you wake up to please is Jesus. The person you go to bed thinking about is Jesus. It's not a romantic relationship, but it is a wholesale covenant commitment to him. We enter into that relationship when we abandon ourselves into his care. When we say, I have sinned against God, my only hope for rescue is Jesus. So I let go of, I repent my sin and repent everything else. I turn away from everything and I turn to Jesus and he is my everything. And when we by faith enter into that relationship with God through faith in Christ, we enter into that relationship with Jesus where he is our everything. So Once you enter into that relationship, then following Jesus means he maintains that status. Now, here's the way it worked for me. When I was 11 or 12, I entered into a relationship with Jesus. I repented my sin. I trusted Jesus to save me from my sin, words I use. It was glorious. It was magnificent. I entered into God's family through faith in Christ. It was life-changing. But part of being a follower of Jesus is literally following Jesus every day. And so part of the question that we have to ask is, am I following Jesus as a follower of Jesus? Where he is my everything. Is your job more important than Jesus? Is ice cream more important than Jesus? No. Silly, silly Pastor Eric, silly Pastor Eric. Is your money more important than Jesus? Is your comfort more important than Jesus? Is your politics more important than Jesus? Is your daily routine more important than Jesus? If we were to divide your calendar, your, 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 look at a, a, a given Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, we were to look at that and we were to evaluate your greatest passions by what you spend the most time doing, is Jesus even on the scale? You see what I'm saying? I, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just trying to make you think. One of the reasons we're not healthy is because even as followers of Jesus, we're not following Jesus. To follow Jesus means we give up everything for him. Uh, Following Jesus means that we leave the nets behind. We leave the boat behind. We leave our family behind, and he is the most important thing. We'll see this in a couple of weeks. We seek first the kingdom of heaven and his right, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And we trust that he'll take care of us in the process. Is Jesus the most important thing? person, thing in your life. That's what it means to follow Jesus. You look like Jesus. You act like Jesus. You live like Jesus. What does it mean to follow Jesus? It means that we love him supremely. It means that we look to him for direction. 
It means that we live for him and for his fame. It means we fear his disapproval. That's what it means to follow Jesus. So it's not just, although it includes, I've entered into God's family through faith in Jesus Christ and became a follower of Christ. Glorious, woo! But then following Jesus, it's called sanctification in official language. It's sanctification. Am I following Jesus? How you follow Jesus, it's through obedience. It's not just a relationship, it's an obedient relationship. Are you being obedient to Jesus? Obedient in what you say and what you think and what you, what you do and where you go and, 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 and your passions and your priorities. To follow Jesus means that he is the sole first place in your life. So am I following Jesus? That's what the plan entails. You want to have a healthy heart? You've got to give your heart to Jesus. And let him be Lord of everything in you. That's what it means to follow Jesus. When you go to the physician, he says, I've got a plan for you to follow, and this is what it entails. And then you, then you say, well, you know, Doc, thank you for sharing with me what the plan entails. Now, I've got a follow-up question. What's the follow-up question? Why do I need to do this? Why do I need to give up ice cream? Why do I need to stop eating uh, biscuits for breakfast? Why, why do I need to do it? It's not just the what. You told me the what. Now tell me the why. Why do I need to do this? In the same way, if following Jesus, it means that he is your everything and you give up all things so, to him as your everything and you, you give everything that you are. Jesus isn't a side gig for you. Jesus isn't an afterthought of your everyday. Jesus is the primary mover and shaker of your everyday life. Okay? And you submit to him and you obey him and you follow his commands, right? If that's, if that's what following Jesus, then why should I do that? That seems so burdensome. It seems so big. Oh, why are you invading? Uh, why, why does Jesus want to invade my life and take control? Why, why should I let him do that? And I, I think that's an important question. Maybe the reason as a follower of Jesus, maybe the reason you're not following Jesus is because you don't think you should. Or you don't have to. But that's not true. Following Jesus, the why of it begins with one simple truth. We must follow Jesus because Jesus is God. He's God. My goodness, some of us will sell our birthright to follow a politician. But we balk at following the creator of the universe. Jesus is God. Amen. And at the end of Matthew chapter 3, we see Jesus is being baptized and after he's baptized, the heavens open up and, and, and God speaks and he says, behold, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so the disciples, the, the four fishermen that Jesus is talking to in Matthew 4, they had heard that. They were there with John the Baptist and there when Jesus was baptized. And they had heard, this is, a, this is the son of God. 
And, and so, <clears throat> following because he's the son of God, in whom God is well pleased, certainly. But it became more than that. See, one of these four fishermen is a guy named John. John, the son of Zebedee. He also wrote the gospel of John in three letters uh, that bear his name and the book of Revelation. So John was a big deal. John who followed Jesus, do you know what he said about Jesus? John chapter one, verse one, he said, Jesus in the beginning was the word and the word was, word being Jesus and the word was God and the, uh, the word was with God and the word was God. In the beginning, Jesus is God. He goes on, he says, Jesus is the creator of the cosmos. There's nothing that was made apart from Jesus. Jesus created all things. Jesus is God. Jesus came to give light uh, to, to, to humanity. And, and in that light, to give life to humanity. Now, Jesus is the one who came to build a bridge between us and God himself. And, and, and J- Jesus came to, to, to make a way for us to enter into God's family through his own death on the cross. John 1.14, John the fisherman turned disciple, follower of Jesus said, Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And John and Peter and James and Andrew and you and I, we need to understand that the reason we follow Jesus is not because he's a good man, it's because he's God. He is God. So when God says, go, I need to go. And when God says, stop, I need to stop. And when God says, says do this, I need to do that. And, 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 and he is God. Not only that, as God, he is the creator of all things. He created you exactly the way you are. Do you know that Jesus knows exactly what makes you tick? He knows all your good and he knows all your bad too. And he still loves you. <laughs> and Jesus is God. And if we want to know how to experience the best in life, we go to the one who made life itself and made us in the midst of this life. Jesus is God. We follow him. We give up everything for him because Jesus is God. Not only is he God, but Jesus, is the, Jesus alone is the way for us to be forgiven our sin. Only Jesus can forgive our sin. Genesis to Revelation tells the story of how God made a way for us to be forgiven, and that's through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus is God, became flesh and bone, dwelt among us, lived perfectly, died for our sin upon a cross, was raised from the dead so that you and I who are sinners and separated from God, so that we might put our faith in Jesus and taste his grace and be forgiven our sin. In Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. We're rescued through the sacrifice of Jesus. When John the Baptist saw Jesus coming down from the Judean hillside, John 1, 29, uh, he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus and Jesus alone can fix the sin problem of our soul. And by the way, do you know the greatest enemy to a healthy spiritual life, spiritual heart, the greatest enemy is sin. And there is no remedy for sin apart from Jesus. He is the only hope we have of being forgiven. But the good news is he is ready to forgive. 
He's made the way for us to find forgiveness when we commit ourselves in a relationship to him, when we follow him. Jesus alone forgives sin. There's no one else. He forgives sin. He is the sacrifice for our sin. Why should we follow Jesus? Because he's God, because he forgives sin. And I can't say this fervently enough. There's no way for us to be forgiven our sin apart from faith in Jesus Christ. There's just no way. So until we follow Jesus, enter into a relationship with him, until we follow Jesus, our heart is going to remain fixed in its sickness, diseased in the cancer of sin that we have. And we will never be healthy until we follow Jesus because he forgives sin. Why should we follow Jesus? Well, we should follow, and again, this list could go on and on, but finally, we follow Jesus because he gives us a life of purpose. A, a life of purpose that is meaningful to us and satisfying to us. And Jesus said in, uh, in, in John's gospel, he said, whoever follows me will never hunger or thirst again. If we follow Jesus, we will be satisfied completely because we will be satisfied with the purpose that he gives us. To the four fishermen, he said, you follow me and I'm going to make you something that you're not. I'm going to give you a more worthwhile life than just chasing fish. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Now, anybody would agree, I, I love fishing. And if you know me, you know, I love to fish. And there's hardly a thing that I enjoy more than uh, going to a mountain stream and chasing beautiful rainbow brown brook trout. I love that. It just, it, I just love it. But having a conversation with Glenn, sharing the gospel with him was far more satisfying, even though he rejected the gospel, it was far more satisfying than catching um, lifetime trout. They're apples and oranges. Catching fish, man, that, you might be able to make a living, you might have a little bit of fun, but that's all it's going to be. But seeking men and women with the gospel of Jesus Christ, friends, that is satisfying to the soul. And that's, that's what following Jesus does. Following Jesus puts us on a path and a trajectory where we have a purpose that will satisfy us completely. As we submit to his will, as we follow his commands, as we live according to his purpose, as we share the gospel with others, we will be satisfied because we have a life filled with purpose. No job's going to give you that. No amount of money's going to give you that. No other relationship is going to do that for you. Only Jesus can give us a life filled with purpose. So the question, the question that really the doctor would ask us, we say, Doc, what, is it, what, what's, what does it mean to be part of this plan for a healthy heart? And, and, and why should I follow this plan for a healthy heart? And the doctor then will say, okay, I've given you all this information. Now the question is to you, are you going to follow the plan? This morning, the question is to us, will I follow Jesus?
Will I follow him? Some of you are here today and you have not embraced Jesus as your Savior and King. You've, you've played and flirted with religious devotion and stuff like that, but you have never embraced Jesus as Savior and King. And today is the day for you to cross the line of faith, for you to turn from your sin and trust in Jesus. Today is the day for you to abandon yourself into the arms of God's grace and experience the magnificence of his love and his forgiveness of you and your sin. The Bible tells us that when we recognize that we're separated from God by our sin, that we look to Jesus and Jesus alone as our rescuer. Jesus came to die for your sin upon a cross. He was raised from the dead to give you a new life. And you can place your trust in Jesus, turn your life over to him. And in this wondrous transaction of his grace, he takes all your wickedness, all your sinfulness, and he puts it on Jesus who died for you. And he takes all of Christ's perfection and all his righteousness, and he puts it on you, a sinner, so that you are now fit for God's family. If you're here today and you have not experienced that wondrous transaction of God's grace, You haven't crossed the line of faith to become a follower of Jesus. Today's the day for that to happen. And whether you're online or in the room, I invite you in a few moments when we begin to sing a song of praise, if you're in the room, come and talk to one of these ministers. Say, today I need to become a follower of Jesus. If you're online, then text uh, the number on the screen or email pastor at firstnorfolk.org and say, I need to become a follower of Jesus. I need my life changed by God's grace. I want to be forgiven for my sin. I want to taste this wondrous life that only Jesus can give. So if you have not yet embraced Jesus, if you haven't become a follower of Christ through faith in Christ, then today I invite you to do that. But for the rest of us who are followers of Jesus, I I just want to confront you with the same thing that I've been confronted with all week long. I'm a follower of Jesus, but am I really following Jesus? I'm part of God's family, but am I a rebel child? Am I being obedient to him? Am I living uh, my life as though Jesus were a side gig for me or afterthought or an add-on to the week, or is Jesus my everything? If you're here today and you're part of God's family, the question I have for you is the same that the Spirit of God has been asking me all week. Are you following Jesus? And if not, aren't you ready to follow him? It's what makes for a healthy heart. Ask yourself this question. Is there anything in your life that you value more than Jesus? Is there anything in your life that you treasure more than Jesus? And if there is, you've got to lay it down. You've got to let go. You've got to relinquish it. No matter how good it may be. If there's anything in my life that I treasure more than Jesus, it is an idol of my heart that must be let go and crushed and killed. So today I invite you, oh family of God, don't be a rebel any longer, but come and lay your idols at the altar. You might say, I don't know how to do that. 
Man, just begin. That's how you do it. You just begin. Jesus, I know that I value this more than I value you, and I don't want to do that anymore. I want a healthy heart. I want to be satisfied in my life. So right now, I just lay it down. I don't know what to do about this. I need help. Will you help me? And he'll begin to help you. See, to be a follower of Jesus means that I don't really need to belabor this. As a follower of Jesus, you have a heart that's already tuned to want this. So let's do business with God right now. You bow your heads with me, please. Oh God, in these next few moments, as we stand and worship you, I pray, oh God, that you would break my heart over anything that I value more than Jesus. And I pray that I would lay it down as an idol. I pray for every person in this room or online who has yet to cross that line of faith to become a follower of Jesus. They've never experienced your grace that has changed them from the inside out. I pray that you give them the courage to respond to you today. And now, Father, as we worship you, as we adore you, as we sing our praise to you, I pray, oh God, that you would have your way with each of us and by your spirit do that mighty work that only you can do in our lives, that we may be healthy and whole. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.